Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Why do we hate change in life? Because we love to get into a pattern and just stay there. God doesn't want us to. He wants to be daily open to the change the Holy Spirit wants to bring into our life and the change the Word of God wants to bring into our life too. Sound intriguing? Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Good to have you here today. And you can open up with me, if you would, to Numbers chapter 27. We're going to look at verses 15 through 17. We're going to talk about today that change is forever. That's the time you think, oh man, I don't want to see more change. Well, there's more changes to come, but we'll talk about that in what we're dealing here. So while you're finding that verse of scripture, just want to talk to you who are my partners. Thank you again. Welcome to the broadcast today. If you're new with us today, welcome. Glad to have you here. And for those of you who might have been watching three or four times, you're starting to like this broadcast even more. Welcome back to you. But for those who have been consistent with me for some time and those who have been watching this broadcast for maybe six, seven months or a year or two years, you know what? All I can tell you is thank you that you have decided to make this part of your regular giving unto God. This is how it happens. God, can, he sent me his word. He sent me his Holy Spirit. But you know what? I still need people. You make up that missing portion right there. Without God, I couldn't get it done. And without his power of his word, I couldn't get anything done. But also without people, God works through people. And when God gives to people, it's through people. And when we give back to God, it's through people also. And so uh, what God does is he uses people in their finances and he uses their choice. He uses people of goodwill. And uh, what Moses looked for back in the Old Testament for the building of the tabernacle was those of a willing heart. God looks for people with a willing heart and blesses them. You know, God could just, you know, send angels to preach everywhere, but he sends people and simply ask us to obey the Great Commission. I'm doing that part. God's called me to be a teacher in the body of Christ. And yes, I get people saved, but my main calling in, in my God is to disciple people and to make them strong. In a world that's weak, he wants to have strong Christians. In the world that's falling apart, he wants people that will not fall apart. That can only come by the word of God. That is the calling God has placed on my life. And I love to minister to Bible school students, to ministers, but also to you, because every one of you have a call on your life. It comes back to this, will you become a partner with me? If you'd like to join me as a partner with this great multitude of people that are partners with me, go to my website, bobbyandian.com. You'll find a place on there where you can also become a partner with me. Look at Numbers chapter 27. We're going to start with verse 15. Down through verse 17, and here it says, Moses spoke to the Lord saying, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation who may go out before them, who may go in before them, who may lead them out and may bring them in so the congregation of the Lord will not be as sheep having no shepherd. This is at the point where God was changing leadership in the life of Moses and with the life of the congregation. You know, God said originally of Moses, he said, he'll take you in the promised land. Moses said that, I'm gonna take you in the promised land. But Moses, just before they got to the edge of the promised land, he messed up. I mean, he sinned. God told him uh, to uh, speak to the rock. And instead of speaking to the rock, he struck it out of anger toward the people. 
and then yelled at them. God didn't say speak to the people. He said, speak to the rock. But he didn't speak to the rock. He hit the rock and then yelled at the people and said, here now, you rebels, must we get water out of this rock for you? Well, first of all, God didn't say to call them rebels, even though they were. But next of all, God didn't tell Moses to get water out of the rock. He just said, speak to it. I'll send water out of the rock. And of course, by the time it was over, God hauled him off to the side and chewed him out. He did it in private, which is the good way that God does it toward leadership but told him, because of this, you won't go in. I'm gonna set another leader up. And so God was talking to Moses. Moses didn't know yet who it was. And of course, we know it ended up being Joshua. So it comes to this, even the best, there comes a time they have to change. We look at some of the incredible leaders in the body of Christ and great ministers we have known, great authors we have known. Their books are still around, their sermons are still around to bless us, but they have gone on. And another person comes in. Sometimes they're greater and more successful than even the first one. Sometimes they're not. But God sets up leadership, and the key here is knowing from God who the next leader is going to be. So it comes back to it. In church, change is inevitable. It's going to happen. In Congress, in Senate, in our president, in our nation, change is inevitable. It's got to come. And even though we think, you know, this evil's going to happen, what happens is one day the leaders of the evil die off. And really, in essence, uh, death is a blessing. It's an open door for new leadership to take over. And that leadership, if they're born again, get to go to heaven. The ones that die go on to be with the Lord. So in essence, we come back to this. Each church leader brings the congregation to a certain point, steps back, and the next one takes them on further. Each church leader brings the congregation out of one place and then into another. Each pastor should build partially on the foundation of the previous one. That's why we have training, but also they have a vision of their own where they take people in, and that's important. Foundations are key to a ministry becoming successful, honoring those who have been there before you, honoring the type of uh, teaching that was there, and then taking the people on beyond that point to some new points that you have for them, or what you consider to be new points. Nothing's new when it comes to God. So again, we come back to it. Take a look with me while you're there in Numbers I come over to the book of Deuteronomy. Here is where God uh, set him in leadership. And this is what uh, Moses was telling them again in Deuteronomy chapter one. I'm stepping down, Joshua's coming in. And you know what? No, no explanation was given. I've often wondered what the people thought. Well, I thought you were gonna take us in the promised land, but you're not doing it. Why aren't you doing it? And he wouldn't tell them. Why? Because God doesn't parade your faults in front of other people. It's mainly God knows what he's doing. I know what God's doing. I'm stepping down. And when I do step down, here is what's going to happen is Joshua's going to step in. Deuteronomy 138, here's what was said. Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall go in there. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit the promised land. Notice this, he will cause Israel to inherit it. What you often don't understand is if you don't have good leadership in your life, then you're not going to inherit a lot of things God wants you to because good leadership causes you to inherit. They're part of the reason why you walk into the inheritance. Having a great pastor is important. Having a good church is important. Having good fellowship among people is important. No wonder Hebrews tells us, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Well, I watch it on my computer screen. Well, that's not going to happen in heaven. You're not going to sit in your mansion and open up your laptop and watch what's going on around the throne of God. No, you're going to be there. And God simply says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves, plural, together. 
Why? Because there's strength there. There's fellowship there. There's encouragement there. And notice what he says here. Encourage your pastor. Encourage your leader. He's going to cause you to inherit many things yet to come. There's inheritance you can find in the word, inheritance you can find from your own personal study, but nothing like the inheritance you're going to find by following a good leader. Go to chapter three with me and look here in chapter three and verse 28. Here, God is telling Moses, charge Joshua encourage him, not only the people to encourage him, here's Moses encouraging him, the previous leader encouraging him, charge Joshua, encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over ahead of the people and he shall cause them to inherit the land which they you will only see. Again, leaders should not be criticized. Leaders should be encouraged and strengthened. And listen to me, it's easier to kill than to heal. How many people want to just badmouth somebody instead of encourage and build them up? Because you know what? People don't like change. And when it came to change in Israel, here came Joshua and the people began to call him out, talking about him probably behind the scenes. They were speaking bad about him. And what he's saying here is don't talk, run him down, encourage him. Because what Moses is saying is, folks, like it or lump it, I'm going. Like it or not, I'm stepping out of here. This guy's stepping in. You may not like it. You may want to keep me around for a long time, but the point of it is you're not. So why not encourage him if he's going to be your leader, if he's going to be the one that's going to lead this nation in and going to cause you to be blessed, then why don't you just encourage him? Joshua walked ahead of the people and led them in. So he received the blessing too as he went in. In fact, he was the first one and they walked in right behind him. So therefore, pastors ought to be encouraged and even praised for walking in the good things of life, for walking in their revelations and said, are you getting jealous over them for the blessings that come to their life and the, the knowledge he has, the wisdom he has, the teaching skills he has? Why don't you rejoice in that? Then in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses seven and eight, it says here, Moses called to Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage. Boy, doesn't that sound like the New Testament? That sounds just like Ephesians, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. He's telling him, notice this, it didn't say God make him strong and God give him courage. He told him, be strong and of a good courage. It's a decision. He's saying here to Joshua, it's your decision. Quit waiting for God to pour out strength on you and pour out courage on you. Oh Lord, make me courageous. No, you become courageous. Step out, be strong and of good courage for you must go with the people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them and you shall cause them to inherit it. Notice this, he's been telling the people he's gonna bring you into an inheritance, follow him, he's for you. Now he tells them you're the one out front and you're going to cause these people to inherit. Keep your motives clean, keep your courage up, keep your faith up. And then in verse nine, and the Lord, he will go before you. You go before the people, but God will go before you. You're not out there by yourself. You're following the leader. He's God himself. He will go before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. Fear not and do not be dismayed. You're going to face circumstances, Joshua, in the land coming up. The giants haven't shrunk. They're still the same size. The cities haven't got smaller. They're the same size. The gigantic walls you're going to stand around haven't diminished. But you know what? Your God is bigger than any wall you're going to face, any giant you're going to face. If you face a 10-foot giant, they're facing an enormously bigger God that's going to stand with you and you're on God's side. So three times it is said, Joshua would cause the people to inherit the land and they would prosper because of him. 
So your pastor causes you to inherit. Your pastor leads you into prosperity. This isn't just financial. It's all areas of life. He wants you to prosper. You cannot truly prosper without a pastor. I will say that again. You cannot truly prosper without, you can prosper in some extent. You can be blessed, but as far as real prosperity in life, you need someone that's over you because you're not the smart one. Okay, you can understand the word, the Holy Spirit's with you, but understand God puts people out there with a calling on their life, with a gifting on their life. Pastors, evangelists, teachers, others that are mentioned in Ephesians chapter four, he's called them and placed them in there as gifts to us. He made, he left gifts unto men and your pastor's a gift unto you. So find yourself, well, there's not a really, really good church in town. Go to the best one you can find and get involved and listen. And you know what? Even a pastor you may not agree with everything on is gonna teach something that you go, ooh, that was good. Where did he get that? Well, God blessed him. God favors this guy. Why can't you? You cannot truly prosper without a pastor. And there is a greater inheritance yet to be claimed for any church and every church member. But you have to understand change. I look at it this way, change. You either respond to it or you react to it. What are you gonna do? God was telling people, quit reacting to it, respond to it, and understand what God wants to do. You know, there was a, there was a song back years ago and Johnny Rivers did it, and never forget it, it was, it was uh, the only thing that's permanent is change. Honestly, that's what we're talking about. The permanence of change, it's always going to be here. You might as well get used to it. When we come back from the break, I'll take up from right here and we'll be taking up from it. I'll see you right after the break, right after halftime. As we travel through life, many Christians can become sidetracked from a walk of simple faith in God and begin complicating their faith by engaging in legalistic works of the flesh, all the while thinking that they are in faith. Then when things begin to go wrong, they wonder, what has happened to my faith? Am I missing something? In this series, Pastor Bob Yandian encourages believers to continue in the simple daily progression of faith. Five audio messages include, hindsight is 2020. It's time to grow up. Learning through suffering. Don't complicate your miracle and faith's destination. To order The Walk of Faith, visit our website at bobyendian.com. I've been waiting on this book, Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Kara's Bible College, and it's my favorite class. I think the students' favorite class is there. And I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. When I used to pastor at the church, I would even tell, i say, housewives, you that are listening out there today in the congregation, this is designed for you too. The Word of God is not difficult. Go to my website, bobdeandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. 
If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partner. Well, welcome back after halftime. You know what halftime is, the football game. Well, that's where they have lots and lots of announcements. And, you know, there's a marching band out there. And, well, we have the announcements telling you about the great products we have to offer to enhance what I'm teaching. The only thing missing is the marching band. Maybe I'll look into that sometime. We can have one of those during the, during the break in the middle of the broadcast. Take a look with me at Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6. Malachi 3.6 tells us, again, I said just before we went into the uh, break, that is you either respond to change or you react to change. You should respond to it and respond to it in a good way instead of reacting in anger. And here we are, another change. I'm so tired of change, tired of change. Well, welcome to life. Life is filled with changes. Now I know Malachi chapter three and verse six says this, I am the Lord and I do not change. But there are times when God changes things in our life without him changing. God never changes. But when he tells us to change, it never says that we are without change. It says God is without change. I was, I was called on one time, we had a the TV channel here in Tulsa local when they had a morning thing where they brought in a rabbi and a, and a Presbyterian and a Methodist and a whatever. And, and they would have, they put out a subject before them and let them just hash it up and talk about it. And this was what they did in the morning with the local people of Tulsa, the local ministers of Tulsa to get a flavor of what the pastor was like. And I was on there that morning. They talked about, you know, does God change? And that, you know, that the Bible says that God doesn't change, but how, how do you do handle it when God seemingly changes in the word of God? And they took up the term when God repented. And I mean, the Bible says that God repented. And so they said, how can God repent when God is perfect as supposedly? So they went on. And I mean, there were some theological things that you listen all of a sudden, you know, you go, what in the heck is this guy talking about? I mean, it was so convoluted or it's just so confusing. And a few of them just absolutely said this. One guy said this, I don't care. God can change. He said, God's not perfect. He can make mistakes. I mean, that's when, you know, my started to boil up a little bit. And they finally came to me and says, what do you think about when God says, I, you know, that God repented? I said, listen, when God repents, he goes from right to right. When we repent, we go from wrong to right. So what God was doing, he was right when we were wrong and he was right when we turned into right. In other words, if God said, I'm gonna do something against you because of your unbelief and because you're rebelling toward me, I'm wrong and God's right. But when I repent and then God repents and God changes, he changed because I changed and he went from right to right. They looked at me like, what are you talking? I mean, it just stopped the whole conversation. You know why? Because God's always right. There's never a time God is wrong. I'm wrong. I can be right. So when the Bible says, I am the Lord, I change not. It doesn't say Bob is the Lord and Bob doesn't change. I can change, have changed, will change. And God simply saying, there are changes in life that I bring along because it's time for you to move to the next level and I'm right every single time. How are you going to respond or react to this change? God told Israel to change directions in the wilderness. They had to repent and change their attitude toward him and then turn from idols. And so they had to change direction. God doesn't change, but we need to. If you do not change, you camp and become stagnant. And God does not want us to camp and become stagnant. In fact, there was times when they went to this uh, place, stayed for a day, packed up their tents the next day and went on. Constant, constant change. Other times they stayed in a place for a little while, but so is life. We come to some places, we stay for a while, but even then there's going to come a change. And what happens with Christians is we come to that point again where we're in there and we become stagnant because we've been in a particular place for so long. God says it's time to change and all we do is grumble and gripe like the children of Israel. Israel. Change is your friend. It helps pinpoint your location. It helps you pinpoint your attitude. 
Without change, you have no job. If nothing changed, there would be no new jobs. Without change, we'd do something, it would stay forever. No, cars change and, and industry changes and ideas change. And I think it was interesting as the year 1900 approached, there were actually people in business who said, every invention that can be invented has been invented. We don't have any more smarts past this. And boy, have we come a long way since the year 1900. Again, without change, you have no job. We're surrounded by change every single day. Change in music, change in technology, change in education, but in the church, we fight change. We shouldn't fight change. God loves when his people change because we recognize this is a new day. You know, when I was growing up, we just, we hated drums in the church. I mean, the first thing they said was with drums in the church, that's just bringing in this evil beat in there and, you know, and that this beat is demonic and we, they go into all kinds of stuff. Well, thank God, eventually drums found their way into the church. I understand that when the pipe organ was first introduced to the church, there was almost rebellion in the church. You know why? Pipe organs was what they used in the theaters. When you went to see a play, they had a pipe organ in there and they said, we are becoming the world. Always sounds the same. Nothing has changed in that respect. We just look at change as somehow it's evil. So again, in the church, we fight change. God loves change when it comes to his people. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. Here, Paul says, we all with open face, looking as into a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. This comes back to the fact that God doesn't change. God is perfect. How do you change perfection? We don't, but we're not perfect. We change every day coming closer and closer into his image until one day we'll be in heaven in a resurrection body and we will be as perfect as God is. I think we'll still be learning through the uh, millenniums to come in heaven. I don't know, don't have a scripture on that, but I think we'll still be learning. The good thing is, is whatever we learn, we won't forget. That'll be great. But again, we want to change in our own life if it's toward the better. I'll say that again. We want change in our own life if it's toward the better. We like uh, spiritual growth. We like when we're sick to get healed. We like it when there's miss, things missing in our life or we're short on money or we're short on certain things. Natural blessings come into our life. We like that kind of change. We want others to change, and especially in church. And they want, and this is why we preach in church. We love for sinners to become saints. We like for salvation to be preached and sinners to accept Jesus. We like that kind of change. We like healing for the sick in church. Is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over them. The prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise them up. If they've committed any sins, it'll be forgiven them. So we rejoice whenever a person, and especially when we see the healing take place in front of them. We love it when, when uh, carnal believers come back into fellowship with the Lord. We love that, but we hate to face change in our own routine of life. What do I mean by that? A new pastor? Pastor, you've been here for 30 years, and now you're stepping down. Why are you stepping down? When I stepped down from pastoring, I had been pastoring for 33 years. And the day I was stepping down, one woman came up and she said, I don't want you to step down. I said, why not? She said, I was saved under your ministry. I came to this church, accepted Jesus. You've been my pastor all this time. She says, I don't want you to step down until I die. And I said to her, honey, that's a little self-centered. She said, I know it, but that's what I want. And so I, I laughed with her, but I said, you know what? Whatever you've learned in my life, you can learn from the next pastor coming along, which at that time I chose my son. And God chose my son. There was an openness between me, my wife, and God, and we all knew it at the same, at around the same time. I said, your new pastor will lead you into places. I even brought this thing up. I, like Moses, have brought you so far, but now the new one's gonna take you into a promised land. 
every minister takes you out of some place into another place. The next one takes you out of that place into another place. Moses took them out of Egypt into the wilderness, and it was Joshua that took them out of the wilderness and into the promised land. So people can complain when there's a new pastor coming. They don't like songs to change. They like their old songs. And some of them say, you know, well, well, there's just too many new songs. And they don't like new songs that come along. They don't like to have to change seats. I mean, I heard a story they told me in one church about a woman and she walked into church on Sunday morning, got there a little bit late and somebody was sitting in her seat. That's where she sat. And she stood there, looked at those people and told them, you'll get out of that seat and I'm gonna sit there. And they said, well, what do you mean? She said, I've always sat in that seat and I want you to, I'm gonna stand here until you get up so I can have that seat. And she even yelled at the pastor up there because the service hadn't quite started yet, but she was always early, but she was late later that day. And she told the pastor, she said, these people need to get out of my seat because they're sitting there. She said, pastor, if they don't, I'm gonna leave this church. Well, my whole thing is go ahead. You know, that's what my first thought. Why does a seat matter that much? But to her, it was very important. You know what the sad thing was? The pastor found out later, that couple that was sitting there was new. They were decided to try that church. And when that happened, they got up and left the church. And her attitude actually caused a vision. Why couldn't she just walk in love and realize I'll get here early next week and I can have that seat back if I really, really want it. But again, we don't like new pastors. We don't like new songs. And on top of that, we hate it when somebody sits in our seat. New church leadership in any department, whether it's youth department or children's department, we get used to one person and we don't like any change coming along. Why do we need change? Why do we need to change? Psalm 55 and verse 19. This is one incredible, turn to it. Don't just listen to me say it or wait for it to appear on the screen. You look at it, underline some things because this is one incredible verse of scripture about change. Psalm 55 and verse 19 says this, God will hear and afflict them. He who abides from old because they have no changes. Therefore, they do not fear God. Let me read you other translations of that. Here's the... Uh, NIV, men who never change their ways have no fear of God. Just catch that. People who don't change their ways have no reverence for God. Why? Because God brings change into our lives. The New Living uh, Translation, because they refuse to change their ways, they do not fear God. ESV, because they do not change, they do not fear God. I can we come right back to it. It all comes back to this. When you refuse to change, you stop your journey and no longer reverence God. Why? Because God wants you to change. Change is always good for you. God doesn't change, but he sees in your life when you need change, he always does it for your good, for your betterment. You're the one that resists him. So when you refuse change, again, you stop your journey and no longer reverence God. You resist change because you want to remain in control. That's what this verse is saying. You've lost your reverence for God and realizing he can control your life better than you can. You need his guidance, you need his word, you need his input, but you resist change because you want to remain in control. When you embrace change, you recommit your trust in God. I'm gonna say that again. When you embrace change, you recommit your trust in God. What does the verse say again in Psalm 55, 19? God shall hear and he will afflict them. Why? Well, what's it, what are they doing wrong? It's not like they're running around sinning. They're not committing adultery. They just won't change because they have no changes. And what the verse is saying is when this point is, God brings change into your life. And when you resist him and you pull against him because you don't like it, you've lost your reverence for God and you have now got used to controlling your own life. God simply says, I never want you to come to a place where you control your own life. I want you to come to a place where you're always open to me. 
open to me where, Lord, no matter what you ask me to do, I'm gonna do it. Lord, if you ask me to change jobs from this from this office building to down to another one to some other job, Lord, I will. Lord, if you ever call me to the mission field, I will drop everything. You ask Abraham to drop everything and follow after you. And Lord, if you ask me to do that, I will do it. In other words, we don't care if change comes to our life because it's always for our good. God will increase us after that. So again, when you embrace change, you recommit your trust in God that he is the one that's in control of your life. Tomorrow when we come back, we'll take up from here. I'm not through with this. We're going to take up tomorrow and you'll be blessed by this. And actually, I trust by the end of these two lessons, you're going to say to yourself, God, whatever change you want to bring into my life, here am I. I'm ready to change. See you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.